0: We talked about being pressed into the kingdom, and I want to uh, continue on that theme here this morning. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, starting in verse 11, it says uh, this. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the spirit, uh, spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself rightly judges by by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him But we have the mind of Christ. Can you say amen to the word this morning? We started talking Wednesday night about this thought of being pressed into the kingdom. You cannot just come into the kingdom, but the Bible says unless the Spirit draws you, no man can come in, right? But when the Spirit draws us, that we can come into the kingdom... The Bible tells us that we are pressed into the kingdom. It means it's a tight place. It is something that we talked about Wednesday night that you can't just come in the same way that you live the rest of your life. If you was to live your life in the kingdom like you were on the outside of the kingdom, then you would be the same you would bring those same attitudes those same mindsets those same ways of doing things you would bring them into the kingdom and the problem is, is the kingdom of god is not a worldly kingdom it is not set up like the world and so whenever you tried to manipulate and you tried to do this and that in the world to get your way that thing doesn't work in the kingdom amen uh, you, you have to go by kingdom principles. The king rules his kingdom and we said the closer to the proximity that you are to the king the more benefits that you get from the king the king is not there to be a hitler he isn't there to be somebody that is trying to lord over you but he is there with a kingdom authority so that he may be able to you may be able to enjoy the benefits of his kingship and so that's what God is saying. He is telling us that we're coming out of darkness into a marvelous light, that we're coming into a greater understanding. And we read a few scriptures and I'll just go over them real quickly here uh, this morning. In Matthew 19, it said, Jesus said to his disciples, surely I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We said that the eye of the needle is that place that you enter into a city after hours where that they close the main gates and the eye of the needle was a smaller place and they would have to unload their camels they would have to take everything off of them and the camel would have to get down on his knees and crawl through the eye of the needle. And the Bible teaches us that that's what we must do to come into the kingdom of God. That we must humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. We have to unload all of the attitude, the atomic nature, the atomic mindset that we have had. We have to leave it on the outside so that we can come through, amen, the eye of the needle, and we can come into, enter into the kingdom of God. He is not talking here and saying that it's harder for a somebody that is wealthy than it is for somebody that is poor. That's not the concept that he wants you to have here. He is wanting you to realize that everyone has to humble themselves to get into the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Matthew 5, he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. He said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And so he is telling us that this is the kingdom's way. You, you are going to have persecution. You are going to have trouble. If somebody told you that every day was going to be a rosy day when you got saved, they lied to you. Amen. It's going to rain on the just as well as the unjust. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. And so it goes on and on and tells us that you, you, and then he tells us to rejoice and be exceedingly glad, not because of the persecution that you're going through, but for the reward that is coming to you. Hallelujah. And so he tells us, don't worry, persecution will come, trouble will come. And then he goes on in Matthew 5 and said, uh, For uh, blessed are they that... uh, He tells us to rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward. And then in Romans 5, he tells us, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Him who have us access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. ...and glory of God, not only that we be also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produced perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And now hope does not uh, disappoint because the love of God has been pure, uh, poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He tells us that, that when tribulation comes, that it begins this progression of work in us that is a process... I know that some people don't believe in process, but you, it don't matter if you believe in it or not. You'll have to go through it. Amen. And, and so this process begins of tribulation. And he is telling us here that this, it works a greater glory in you than what you can understand. Nobody likes to go through tribulation. Nobody likes to go through times of trouble. But God says during this time of tribulation, it produces perseverance. In other words, as you walk with God and you're going through trials, you'll learn how to stand and still worship in difficult times. You'll learn how to come on to church even though you got a flat tire. You learn how to come on and bless the Lord, even though the things haven't been going your way throughout the week, that you persevere and you go on into the house of the Lord and you worship him and you bless his name, not because of the tribulation you're going through, but because of the God that you are serving. And you know that he is wonderful and you begin to praise him anyhow. It's perseverance. The perseverance develops character. Don't we need some character in our land today? Amen. It seems as though the people don't have character today. The trust level is is something terrible. People uh, don't trust um, the employer. People don't entrust, entrust, they don't trust uh, the government. They don't trust the school system, the political system. They don't trust uh, their husband or wife. (laughs) Come on. and and it's broken down until the trust is gone today and we need to develop some character and God says the way that character is developed is you have to go through some difficult times because that character will cause you to begin to live right. It'll cause you to do the right thing. That character will be developed in you when it would be easier to tell a lie than it would the truth. You'll tell the truth. Amen. Whenever it is easier for you and benefits you to do something that is not right, you choose to do that which is right. Amen. And, and, and even if it costs you, even if there is consequences, you say that I'm going to do the right thing. And the Bible said then after you develop perseverance, you develop a character. Now it gives you a hope because I know that I've been through some stuff, but I've done the right thing. I've done it through character. I have held, maintained my integrity. And so therefore, I have a hope that God is going to bring me through this. Come on, somebody. Amen. The hope of glory will, yes, give him praise the hope of glory will work out in our lives and will develop, amen, us into somebody that God will say like, like whenever we are going through the trouble, like Job, amen. I believe that God was bragging on Job when he seen him go through tribulation that developed his character that brought out of him a blessed hope that even when everything was gone, that he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He had a hope in Jesus Christ that Jesus that god was going to move on his behalf and some way and somehow turn this thing around amen praise god And so he tells us that tribulation comes. And then he asks us in Romans, what shall separate you from the love of God? Should tribulation or distress? But he goes on and says, I am persuaded that neither life nor death, angels, principalities, things present or things to come. He said, nothing is able to separate me from the love of my God. Amen. And I'm thankful for that today. And so we said that tribulation is our friend because it presses us into the kingdom of God. The Greek word for tribulation means affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, and trouble. If we never had trouble, we could live life on our own. If we could never have trouble, we could live life by ourselves. But we would never come to God if we never had any difficult or any trouble. Amen. We would never turn to Jesus and ask him for a life change. But the fact that trouble does come, we understand that we need to grow and develop and we only have Jesus that is able to change our lives. Now, I want to look at three levels here of of our walk here. And first of all, I want to see in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that he talks about the natural man. He said, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. Does not want any, the natural man does not want anything to do with the things of God want to live life to their self, do their own thing. It is, it is the picture of a person without Christ, amen? Because the natural man does not want to submit to authority. The natural man wants to live his own life and it is a life that, uh, that is, he is the God of his universe. Everything revolves around them, or uh, and, and th- nothing else matters except fulfilling their desire and their flesh. Amen. Living for Christ and spiritual things makes no sense to the natural man. What do you? you uh, whenever you you look at the natural man, what makes any sense about you praying to a God you cannot see? Amen. What makes any sense when it comes to salvation? The natural man, it makes no sense. How can you how can go in and, and, and praying to somebody you can't see, going to an altar, bowing your knee wherever it is, and, and asking Christ to come into your heart in your life, and you say that things change that way? How does that work? The natural man does not perceive it. Amen. How how does giving ten percent of my income help me? Right? It makes no sense to the natural man. Amen? The natural man's principles, uh, to the spiritual principles make, make no sense. It is a self-centered life that, that whenever we uh, want to serve or live for ourselves and nobody else. Amen? The world and everything around them revolves around them because they only intend on fulfilling the desires in which they have. And then he goes on and he tells us about the carnal man. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, he said, And I, brethren, count you, count, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as too carnal, as babes in Christ. I fed you the milk and not the solid food, nor un, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envies, strife, and division among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, or are you not carnal? This carnal man is the most puzzling of the three. The natural man you can understand because we have all lived a life to ourselves, haven't we? We have all lived a life that we wanted to fulfill our own desires and and we were a sinner and we had that atomic nature and we wanted to fulfill our own desires and so we understand what it is to be a natural man. And then we come to this carnal man that is the strangest thing because he's a mixture that uh, can't really uh, figure out. He is somebody that when you study the word, at some points the carnal man has been saved. Amen his life has been changed Paul calls them brethren right and so there has been a life change that has taken place but the carnal man acts like an unsaved person Amen it's it's like a married person acting single it's, it's like a person that, that even though they have come to Christ and they have asked Christ's forgiveness of their sin, they're still uh, living a life unto themselves. Paul doesn't call them reprobates. He doesn't call them sinners, but he calls them brethren. They were saved, but they still have problems in their life. Amen. Paul indicates that it is uh, this time that they're uh, walking, that they, by this time in their walk with God, that they should be able to take some meat on. By this time, they should be able to, I should be able to speak to you, Paul says, with some spiritual in depthness, but because you have lacked the maturity that is needed, I have to back up and, and treat you as a baby, right? He says, "I desire to talk to you about some spiritual things. I want to talk to you on my level." Paul says, "But I can't talk to you on my level. I can't talk to you on the level that I am living on because you have refused to grow and mature and develop." How many know that at some time in our life we have to take responsibility for our own relationship with God? Amen. Thank God for the church. Thank God for teachers and preachers. And thank God, amen, for encouragers. But I want you to know that at some point, we have to take responsibility for our relationship with Christ and say, I thank God for the church. I thank God for the Word. I thank God for the teachers. But I've got to do something through the week that encourages me, that causes me to mature and develop, and my walk with Christ will be greater than it was before. Amen. And so he says, I desire to talk to you, but I can't talk to you. He says, I wish I could talk to you on this same level in which I am living. But he said, you cannot comprehend it. You cannot understand it. The carnal Christian is like a baby that never grew up. There is legitimate babyhood, physically and spiritually, right? Everyone loves a baby, don't they? I mean, they're saying goo-goo and ga-ga and da-da, all that good stuff. Everybody likes that. It's cool. But if my son, 14 years old, walking around saying goo-goo, ga-ga, da-da, Right? How many know I'm going to carry him on to the doctor? Right? Because something is not working out right. There is a problem somewhere. Amen? And and if if a baby playing in the nursery is cute, oh, look at that, they're going down that slide. But if I go back there and and, and see Jordan going down the slide, I'm going to pull him out by the ear and say, Son, come on. Don't embarrass Dad like that. (laughs) You know... And and, and the reality of it is, is is I think God wants to grab us by the ear sometimes and say, get off of that playground, get get off, quit playing around and, and get mature, develop, grow. It's more than just, you know, uh, thank God for the for what we learned as a child. Thank God for what we learned when we w- started into this thing. But now that we are here for a season, we need to grow up and we need to develop. And that's what God wants. So many times we allow it to go on and we think nothing of it, amen, in the church. But we would never put up with that. We would have great concern if when our children got 12, 14 years into this thing and they're still goo goo and then gaga and we'd sure enough carry him on over us right and we need uh, some maturity we need to develop and this path that we're on is just taking us around this circle that we know and we need to get off of this uh, playground we need to get off of this circle and we need to grow and mature and develop in Christ Jesus amen and you see, uh, this is where the problem is. People are in, uh, saved in the church, but they're still acting like the world. I heard somebody say that we have saints with sinners' problems. And, and, and I, ain't down, I ain't putting nobody down today because we're all saved by grace. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I want to push on you just a little bit as pastor today and tell you that we all need to push in on this thing. There's more to God yet to know. There is a greater dimension and a greater understanding. There is something that He wants to release into our lives that we have yet to grab hold of. And we need to hunger for the things of God. Amen. Amen. Because you see, the the carnal Christian, this is where all church problems come from. People that get saved but never go on to maturity. Paul said you can tell a carnal person because they cause envy, they cause strife, they cause division. Because people don't grow up in the church, we're still dealing today with the same issues that they dealt with in the Bible. Amen. We don't have to be a part of the natural man's ways. God has given us His Word that we may grow, we may mature, and we may develop praise God. Job that did not have a Bible, he did not have a teacher, he did not have a preacher, and yet he developed such a relationship with God that he matured and developed that when he went through trials, even when his wife told him to curse God and die, he said, though they slay me, I'm still going to trust him. We have no excuse today, my brothers and sisters, that have the word of God, that have a man 24 Four hours a day, seven days a week, the airwaves are filled with teaching and preaching the word of God. We don't have an excuse. We must mature and develop because the kingdom of God is depending upon us. Amen. We've got a harvest to reach. We've got people that are lost. They're dying all over this valley, lost and undone without God. And God is counting upon you and me to be the light unto the world so that the hurting and the broken can realize that we're not just another moose lodge or a social club, but there really is something different about God's church. Hallelujah. And that church is a spiritual church, a foundation that cannot be moved even in troubled times. Amen. Amen. We're in the business of maturing Christians at the tabernacle. If you're serious about your relationship with God, you can grow in this house. Amen. We have adventure church. Everyone has the the gospel taught to them on their level so they can understand it. We have adventure church so that the children can be matured and developed so that we don't deal with the same issues in the next generation that we have to deal with today. Come on, somebody. We have student ministry, amen, so that they can continue to grow and they can understand that, that you're not just here for yourself, but you need. if you want to be fulfilled, you have to learn how to serve other people, amen. And then we have life groups where that you can connect. And it doesn't matter to me, listen to me, it doesn't matter to me if you do them on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or through the week. You, it, you are not wise if you don't get involved in discipleship. That's just the bottom line. And so it doesn't matter when it happens, but we're trying to create avenues that you may not be able to do it on Sunday. You may not be able to do it on Sunday morning or Sunday night, but you can do it through the whatever it is. Be sure that you connect, amen, and get in life groups, get in discipleship and do life together and mature and grow. Amen. We're doing our best to help people to grow spiritually, but you have to develop a desire for the things of God. Milk is good. But milk is predigested food that is a result from a cow eating grass. Amen. Some, the only word they get is what the teacher gives them, what the preacher gives them, and that's already digested for them. But when you eat a steak, come on, you're not eating pre-digested food, you're, you're eating it for yourself. And Paul says, I have to give you pre-digested food because you can't handle the meat of the word. Amen. And, and I remember uh, whenever dad and them lived in Ohio, I know that, you know, looking at me, you've, you don't get this big eating salad, right? I like a steak. I don't like. It makes me mad when they give you. I, oh, you order a steak and you can read the newspaper through it. I like something. You know. You know. Anywhere from two to five pound is good. Amen. <laughs> and. and, and Whenever Dad and them lived up in Ohio, there's a place over there, and they, they had steak. They had real steak. And, and so we'd go there, and I, I would I order a cowboy, which is a two-pound steak. And then I would nudge Renee, and they had a cowgirl, and that was a one-pound steak. And she said, I can't eat all that. I said, go ahead and order it. And, and And so uh, I would eat that two-pound steak, and then I'd eat what was left of hers. And I left there feeling pretty good. <laughs> uh, amen. Amen and And but that is something that you have to digest on your own. That is something that you have to grab a hold of and you 've got to cut it up, and you have to chew on it right and you have to digest it. It isn't just something you can put in your mouth and swallow because it's already been pre-digested. Are you walking with me? God wants us to get to a place where that we begin to get His Word and we begin to chew on it. We begin to meditate on it. We begin to digest it, amen, so that we can have strength in our bodies, so that we, our spiritual man will begin to grow. God intends for us to grow and become spiritually mature. God wants us to grow, amen, and we... If we're going to grow, we've got to get off of the milk at some point and get on the meat of the word. Amen. We must have a studied diet of the word of God. Elijah said, even when he was in a time of drought, when he was in a time of difficulty, the Bible said that he went on the strength of that meat for 40 days. Remember when the angels brought him that meat? All right, let me tell you. Angels, he was in a time of depression. He was in a time when the enemy was fighting him. And the Bible said that the angels came and ministered to him and gave him meat. And the scripture said he went on the strength of that meat for 40 days. Praise God. You can't go 40 days on some milk, but whenever you get that meat, praise God, you can go on it. You can run on it. Why? Because it's strength. It gives you stability. And I'm telling you today that the word of God will strengthen you. It will empower you you. Praise God. When troubled times come, there may be difficult times when you can't get to the house of God. There may be troubled times when it seems like that everything around you is falling apart and you can't get to a teacher. You can't hear the preacher. But that word of God that you have digested in you will be more than enough for that hell that is coming against you. And you will learn to be able to stand by night in the house of God and say I know that my Redeemer does Live. Amen. Even though that this trouble has come, even though that difficult times have come, I've learned to trust in the word of God and the word of God will not fail me. Hallelujah. The Bible said heaven and earth will pass away. But His Word will never pass away. And you can put your trust in the Word of God. Come on, somebody. You can put your confidence in the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God will not fail you. The Word of God is backed up by all of heaven. And when you get a word from a person, Amen, it it is only as good as the ability of that person to back up that Word. But I want to tell you today that the Word of God is backed up by God Himself. It is backed up by Jesus. God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit it is backed up by all of heaven glory to God and it doesn't matter what comes or what goes in your life you can trust on the word of God that it will provide for you what it said it will provide it will do what it says it will do and it will empower you to be who God says you can be amen and so we need to get into the word and digest that word so that we can become all and do all and, and accomplish all that God said he wanted us to accomplish. And then we have to have a time of prayer. Amen. Get in the word. Tell your neighbor, get in the word. And then we have to have a time of prayer. August is our prayer month. It's a time when we have focused prayer and, and we're going to be talking about prayer and we're going to be doing prayer and we're going to be focusing on Uh, For the harvest in the fall, we're going to be doing some awesome things in the fall and believing God for a tremendous harvest of souls uh, in the fall season. Any, Any day is a good day for people to get saved, right? But we have focused times whenever we go after them with everything in this house. We go after souls. And that's one time we're going to do it in the fall, in September. We're going to devote that whole month and believing God. We're already praying and believing. But August, we're going to focus in on that. We're going to pray and we're going to believe God for the harvest. Amen. But we don't just pray on particular times or focus prayer. But prayer has to be something you do every day. How will you know the mind of God if you don't spend time with God? You see, sometimes we don't understand the importance of prayer because we, we don't see sometimes immediate response to our prayers. And so because we don't see immediate response to our prayers, we give up on it and we don't pray. But I want you to understand that everything starts in the spirit and manifests in the flesh. Uh, It is answered in the spirit before it is answered in the natural. And so we have to begin to pray and pray in the spirit and believe God that in the spirit a thing is taking place and yet we are yet to see it manifest in the flesh but we are believing God that his word is true and it will take place. Amen. And so we have to have that season of prayer in our lives and I'm talking about the spiritual Christian. I'm talking about one that is mature and developed now. I'm talking about somebody that is hungry for the things of God. We've got to have his word. We've got to have times of prayer. And the Bible Said that when they prayed, the place was shaken. When they prayed, things happened. You remember, you know, sometimes I think about whenever uh, they were in the disciples were in prison and the church called a prayer meeting, right? And, and they prayed, Oh God, deliver them. And then here they come and knock on the door. And They can't believe that they're out of prison. Sometimes, ain't that the way we pray? We pray and then when it happens, we say, oh, wow, what happened? But how many know we ought to pray in faith? We ought to pray large. God is your partner, then you need to think big. Amen? Don't just think about something, well, maybe he can manipulate or he can shift this or do that. But pray that he can, That God will do something larger than what your ability is. Amen? We have to have times of prayer because when we pray, God will shake the place. He will move mountains. He will move obstacles. He will change directions of our life when we begin to pray. And then the third thing that we must do is all of us must give thanks unto God. Amen. We must have a pray a life of praise unto the Lord. Amen. Whenever the Bible says that that we um, praise Him at all times, right? David said, "I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise will continually or perpetually be in my mouth." And so, it takes a you can tell if a person is mature or not by their praise. Because if they can praise on one Sunday when everything is going good and run around shouting kumbaya and glory to God and that's all good. Uh, But if they're only doing that on this Sunday, but next Sunday they're going through a little something and they look like a Missouri mule eating briars. They ain't got much deep down in. Come on. They're they not developed in that thing because they're going on what is taking place, their circumstances and not what they have in Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you today just as sure as I'm standing here that each and every one of us will go through difficult times And but we've got to learn how to praise Him no matter what is going on in our lives not based upon circumstances not based upon situations, not based upon our feelings but based upon God being good his mercy endures forever and he is worthy of my praise he is worthy of my worship glory to God I've seen those who have praised God I've pastored those folks that I watched them because I was in the courtroom as their son would be sentenced to a life in prison but I've seen them walk in and know their heart was heavy but they would lift holy hands to a holy God with tears streaming down their face and say I choose to bless the Lord I've seen it in difficult times as I've had to do the funerals of babies I'd have to tell them I don't understand why this has happened I'm not going to make up anything but watch them come in and through their heart heartbreaking they still lift up God and still praise his name I say that is somebody that knows God is good that is somebody that knows that even though this circumstance stinks it's terrible in my life that the God I serve is still worthy of my praise. He's still worthy of my worship. I want to tell you that's the way I want to serve my God. Amen. None of us want to go through tribulation. None of us want to go through difficult times, but in the midst of it all, he's still God. He's still Lord. The Bible says spiritual man, nobody judges. No man judges, it says. Now, some people would think that, well, that what that's saying is, is that you don't have to be accountable. That's not what it's saying because that would be contrary to the word of God. Everybody needs to be accountable. What it is saying, if you jump back up a couple of verses, it tells us that the spiritual man understands the spirit and the natural man can't understand the spirit. And so Paul is telling us that only the spiritual man judges the spiritual things because a carnal man can't make a judgment on what the spiritual man is doing. And so he says, a carnal man, you got to leave him out of this. Only the spiritual man judges the spiritual man. You know, that, that, that thing goes on there of accountability. But he says, you got to leave the flesh out of this because what the spiritual man does is not going to make any sense to the natural man. And so therefore, he can't make a judgment or a call upon what he is doing. But you've got to have a spiritual man to understand spiritual things. And so uh, he is telling us here th- that it means that we have have to have to be accountable but it is not that somebody in the world is going to dictate to us what we do in the church amen and so we have to no flesh can understand the things of the spirit and i just wanted you know god started pushing this on my heart and and the last uh, about a week or so ago and i just wanted to begin on wednesday night and conclude here today and i want to push in on you and just challenge you all of us are somewhere in this picture today all of us are somewhere in this scenario in this walk with god and i just want to stir up your mind i want to press in on you and i want to say that none of us have got to where we need to be yet Amen. We're all striving. We're all pushing. And, and I just want to encourage you to not stop. But there is more of God than what you can uh, have comprehended yet. I once pastored a, a, some people and they come and told me, they said, well, you know, they, they said we don't need to come to discipleship because we have been in the church all these years and we've already been through all of this. And, and I just told them straight up, I said, I don't know how I can help you then if you know it all. If somebody knows it all, there ain't nothing you can do to help them. But I want to tell you, I I still don't know it. I need God every day. There's more to God to understand and to comprehend. And I don't want to be caught in the middle as a carnal person, amen, that's causing envy and division and strife and and just flip-flopping back and forth. But I want to go on to spiritual maturity so that I can know the things of God, know the things of the Spirit, and so I can be involved in what's going on in heaven. I can perceive it, that I can receive it, and I can say, let the kingdom of God come in the earth as it is in heaven, amen? Amen. Praise God. Stand with me this morning. Glory to God.